not the kind of a scene I think you're going to see anymore. <laughs> no. People now would be like, no, we're not doing that. We're, we're not doing that. We're but doing that. no. Dabbled in the showbiz <laughs> and went on to the gynecology. Like, it's an age-old story. That's Happens right. all the time. <laughs> it is tough to get through, but I recommend that you try. Hope you're ready for the cold, lifeless truth about on-the-slab horror. <laughs> Welcome. This is the Fright Club podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from madwolf.com. Thank you so much for checking in. We're going to talk about one that's been... This has kind of been in the pipeline for a while, right, this topic? It has. And you know what? So we actually kicked this around for a little bit, and then our friend from California, Jenny, recommended it the one day. So then it just it just kind of leapfrogged over several other... Potential podcast topics to yeah this is this is a good one and one that I, I guess I'm a little surprised we haven't done before because uh, but I like it because in looking at these movies that you picked there's some good ones that we have not yet talked about yes so uh, that's gonna be fun so welcome to it and speaking of fun cannot thank you enough everybody that came out last time to our last Fright Club live that was the uh, February edition and we had what we think was our Probably second best crowd ever. Yeah, I think so. After Greasy Strangler, I think that was our biggest crowd, but uh, but this was uh, right up there. Greasy Strangler sets the bar for a lot of things, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> one of them is still our biggest crowd at Fright Club Live. But yeah, we had the Love Witch. It was great. Everybody had a ball. I think uh, people liked the uh, liked the film. It's got that it's got that goofy tone, but then. At the end, it finally delivers, you know, more quote-unquote horror Yeah, uh, that has a nice payoff at the end. And it's great to look at the vibe of it. The, the 60s, 70s vibe is so cool. So oh, my God. We had a blast with that. And we want to say special thanks to a first-time Fright Clubber, Mason. That's right. It was good to meet you. And also, we want to say thanks to Mike, who I think wasn't able to attend but said some really nice things online. Awesome. We always appreciate that. So we're looking for our next, our March edition of Fright Club Live. And this is going to take, <laughs> we like to do a this. A hard left turn. We like to vary, <laughs> vary the uh, the tone. And this is a, a big tone as we are going to show. Baskin. Yeah, it's a Turkish horror film. And there are not a lot of Turkish horror films. And this one, uh, so it sets the bar high. It really does. It's quite, <laughs> quite a ride. Um, quite an experience. Very unlike Love Witch. Uh, this is serious business. So it should be good, though. And what's the topic going to be? Cops. The law. It's going to be the law. The law. Laying down the law uh, in horror movies. So that should be fun. Mark that down. That's going to be the second Wednesday in March. So looking at the calendar, let me do that quickly. March 13th. There was a bigger pause there, but I'll edit it out to make it look like I <laughs> ran across the room and saw the calendar. Uh, March 13th, Gateway Film Center, Baskin and Cops, the laying down the law in horror. That should be good. So uh, also, great crowd we've been having at Horror 101. Oh, wow. So fun, because they were back-to-back nights, and so we were a little yeah. afraid that they would they would eat into each other's turnout. But the truth is, same people came to both. <laughs> like, yeah. There's a lot of crossover, and, and they, it was nice to see everybody back a second night. Yeah, that was actually on Valentine's Day, and uh, we had Candyman to kick it off, and it was darn near sold out. It was. If not sold out yeah, completely. I, yeah, it was. And it, it was so, it's just, it was a, it's such a great movie. It's really a lot more subversive than I think people remember it being, mm-hmm. and just creepy and cool and fun. Gateway had some special Valentine cards made up, so we have a Candyman and, Valentine. And, oh, my God. And some of the the, the heart Little candies. candies. Yep, yep. Yeah, they're doing it right as they always as they always do. And we're so proud to be a sponsor for Horror One Hundred and One. It continues all year. So many great movies. Uh, not the March lineup was just released. Twenty eight days later, Audition, Dawn of the Dead, Martin, 
Get Out. Get Out is going to be so much fun, but I have never seen Martin on a big screen, and I am dying to. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are in the same boat, so it's great. If you're if you're in the area, can get in the area, check your, your listings. You can always find the gatewayfilmcenter.org uh, as they release the monthly showings every few weeks, and this thing is going all year long, and we're so excited to be a part of it. Hope you can make uh, some screenings as well. So, All right, so we've got uh, On the Slab Horror. Good, good topic. Jenny, thank you for that one. And uh, what are the rules besides being on the slab? So basically, it's uh, it's an autopsy movie. Now, not strictly speaking, but it's not just the morgue or the mortuary. It's it's I mean, we got to be, and it's not just any kind of medical horror. We're talking about mm-hmm. sort of cadavers on the slab is what we're talking right. about. That's yeah, on the slab. Come up to the lab, That's see right. what's on the slab. Uh, so we'll start with one at number five, and it's a classic. Going back to 1985, after an odd new medical student arrives on campus, a dedicated local and his girlfriend become involved in bizarre experiments centering around the reanimation of dead tissue. I bet you guessed it's Reanimator. Herbert West is at the top of his class in medical school, and he's just made a discovery that could wake up the dead. Herbert West has affected reanimation in dead animal tissue. Herbert, you're insane! Now what happened? I had to kill him! He's dead? Mr. West. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head? Get a job in a sideshow. It will scare you to pieces. I love a good villain, and Herbert West is a good villain. I love him. Jeffrey Combs, he's so perfect in this role. He's so self-righteous in his faces that he always makes. Ugh, ugh, the best. Yeah, now this is based on Lovecraft. a Lovecraft story. And originally, I guess it was intended to be more faithful to the actual story, but then the film, by the time it made it to the, the cutting room, had little in common with the story because that was intended to be really a parody of, of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. So they kind of started with that inspiration and then went off in their own directions. I love the direction that they took. <laughs> I, you know, this is funny. This is... It is by no means like a great movie, right? It's not, but but it's just a movie that I think everybody enjoys. It's incredibly thoroughly enjoyable. The bad performances, and there are some, are uh, they they work in well with the fabric of the overall film. There there's enough camp, and there's enough decent performances, and there's certainly enough envelope pushing gore and blood to keep your attention in this one. Oh yes, I think they went through uh, the special effects department went through over twenty four gallons of fake blood during the shoot. So <laughs> at that time, you know, we're talking 1985, oh, yeah, that, that was probably the bloodiest movie at the time. Well, it, it would definitely them. be one of yeah. them. And it's who knows how many gallons of Dayglo serum they went through. <laughs> a few, I would guess. A few. And of course, this is the movie that put Barbara Crampton on the map. Scream Queen and Goddess Barbara Crampton. Mm-hmm. And that's um, that's not the kind of a scene I think you're going to see anymore. <laughs> no. People now would be like, no, we're not doing that. We're, we're not doing that. We but doing that. no. And what's great, though, they have the little, in the one scene, there's a uh, there's a Talking Heads poster on the wall. You're like, perfect. Exactly. Just a little kiss. You know? <laughs> of course there is. And this is Stuart Gordon, a guy you got to meet at a horror hand a few years ago. I know. Yeah. And uh, didn't have really, a, you know, it was more of a photo op, right? Not really a chance to, to talk about the movie. No, I didn't get a chance to talk to him much. But, um, Just stood there and kind of blushed, as I do, <laughs> as is my way. I, I guess he originally wanted to do this in black and white. Uh, on 16 millimeter to get it, you know, really gritty yeah. and things like that. But it didn't, no. it didn't turn out that no, way. No, because right. it's not a gritty movie. It's right. just not. And yeah. the it's, it's a colorful movie is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. And uh, it's one where um, 
it's not something they intended, like the Talking Heads poster, but if you remember, the first man who is reanimated in the morgue, he goes on to kill the, uh, kill the dean. Mm-hmm. His name is Peter Kent. Okay. okay. And he is Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double on 14 movies. Wow. From The Terminator... <laughs> All the way to Jingle All the Way. Wow. Yeah, so that's... Uh, that's, that's why he's a big dude. Because <laughs> yeah. you're like asking yourself, I'm going to bring to life a corpse, and I'm not sure what he's going to be like. I think I'll pick the biggest guy in the room. <laughs> I don't think if you should pick someone small, someone you could intimidate physically. That's yeah. that's what I've learned from that scene when I reanimate a corpse. <laughs> Is that what you've learned? Be someone small. The um, origins, as we've said, are from a Lovecraft story. Now... I think you're with me here. I admit I am not the biggest fan of Lovecraftian horror. Do you know what we have to do? What? We need to do a Lovecraft podcast. We should. Because you know, because I said that years ago about found footage. I said aside from Blair Witch, I do not like found footage. And then we were we were dared mm-hmm. to do a podcast on found footage. And damn if I did not come up with five or six that were really great. So yeah. I think we should try that with this because I'm with you. I don't tend to love Lovecraft. <laughs> and I, I actually think I started out with more of a fondness toward um, found footage than you did. I know oh, you yeah. were really down on it. But I think part of that was we saw so many. Yeah. Over, after Blair Witch, they just kept coming. Well, it, I think really it was it was paranormal activity. That was what yeah. started the fire. Because and But so often, it's just used lazily. It's like, right. I don't have a lot of money, and I don't have to, I don't have to deal with continuity if exactly. you do it this way. So. But then Troll Hunter melted our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> and we gave and the whole us, genre. But all good-hearted people. That's right. <laughs> uh, but no, that's a good idea because, uh, yeah, Lovecraft stuff doesn't really, you know, what, what, what do the kids say? It's not really my jam yeah. uh, what right do now. What the kids say? But that's, uh, <laughs> but that's a good idea because that might get us to dig in and find some mm-hmm. that, uh, that we like more than others. But yeah, this one, though, started off with that inspiration and went in different directions that I'm with you. It gets a little, it gets a little campy, a little humor oh, yeah. in there, but, uh, but it's not the, it's not, a vibe of some of that really silly early Peter Jackson stuff that I don't care for at all. Which I do care for, but no, it doesn't, exactly. It is funny. It's a very funny film, um, and it's definitely a, a subversive kind of a film. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, more than anything, what what makes it... Well, what made it stand out at the time was that it was 1985, and so all of the horror films were vampire movies. So to see like a medical experimentation horror, it was very different than what, what else was coming out at the time. But again, I just have to go back to Combs because his yeah. performance elevates this to just this sort of weird, campy horror perfection. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And I was just going to say it, it's very, has a lot in common with a movie we're going to talk about a lot higher on this list. It's really driven and made so much better by the very believable performances. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this one, yeah, I, I give it to you. Jeffrey Combs is great as, uh, as Dr. West in our number five movie, Reanimator. Or on the slab horror, and that takes us up to number four. And I'll be honest, this is one I had not even heard of until you put it on the list. So uh, good on you. Medical student Paula wins a place at an exclusive Heidelberg Medical School, and when the body of a young man she met on the train turns up on her dissection table, she begins to investigate. This one's called Anatomy. You really think doctors here in Heidelberg are performing illegal experiments? Would you like to dissect the heart for us? What are you guys doing? Franco Potenta, Beno Furman, Anatomy. Some of them study. The others get studied. 
Okay, you guys, who wants to get carved up first? Anatomy, a cut above the rest. This almost made our German horror list a few months back, uh, and it got knocked out by a zombie film that I liked a little bit better. But one of the things that I think is interesting about this movie is that in 2000, when it came out, it was the top-grossing film in Germany. Wow. Uh, it was. It was. And it's just, you know, uh, on the surface, it's just a slasher set at a medical school. But uh, Stefan Rosowitzki, who's the director, he would go on a few years later to direct uh, The Counterfeiters, which which won the Oscar for Best Foreign Language. Yes, film that year. I remember that. Yeah. It's a great movie. It is. So obviously this is a guy who who knows what he's doing. And also the lead, uh, Franca Potent. And uh, she's always solid. She's always good. And one of the things that I appreciate about her performance in this movie which, as you know, is something I appreciate, generally speaking, is that she's the lead, she's a female, and you don't really like her that much. She's mm-hmm. not trying to make you like her, and I really always appreciate that because yeah. it seems like a risky move very few films make. Well, it's a thing that I think a lot of people forget and don't realize that it's all right to have unlikable characters. It's all right to have unlikable females. People are fine with unlikable males. Well, I'm sure that's you know more so true, but I think it, there are still people that think that they just want their characters to be likable. Yeah. Um, at least the ones your, your heroine or yeah. your hero, yeah. your main character. Yeah. But you're right, much more so for female characters. But what I love about this, once I found out about it, is that it has it's based the the models used in the film were inspired by that exhibition body work. I knew that you would be so happy that about we that. saw back in whatever year that was. That was so cool yeah. and so creepy. Yes. You know, anybody that saw this in a local science center or anything, it's just so creepy. You're like looking at these are they dead? I mean, it, it's so lifelike. It lets you, as a science experiment, of course, it's meant for you to learn something about inside, you know, beneath the skin, the right. muscles and right. things like that. So perfect in a medical school. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I love the fact that it was uh, inspired by that. because, And you can see it. Even if I hadn't have read that, I, you could see it right away yes. when you see what they're working with. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I saw those. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So this was pretty cool. Um, and it's uh, it's full of... Well, you said it was the uh, the number one grossing movie in Germany. Yeah, actually, I think that you know, again, on the surface, it's a it's a pretty simple slasher set at uh, a medical school. But what it really is is one generation, right, struggling with the fact that their forebears, their uncles, their parents, right, were either implicit or actively involved in a generation of people who experimented on what they considered to be disposable human beings. And that's Gee. right. Right. And so it's, it's, it's a very, it's a profoundly yeah. German film oh, yeah. in that way. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a very, it's deceptively simple in the delivery, but, but the impact it makes is profound. Oh, sure. There's obviously a huge subtext going on there. And uh, I love uh, this uh, little tidbit too. There's a scene where uh, Hein, he tries to hide the corpse of Phil. There are two assistants in that in that scene, and the dark-haired one, the one that's constantly cursing, <laughs> that woman is now the assistant medical director at the Institute for Gynecology at the University of Bonn in Germany. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> dabbled in the showbiz and went on to the gynecology. Like, you know, it's an age-old story. That's it happens right. all the time. <laughs> but I love that. She's referred to as the one who's constantly cursing. <laughs> That could be a that could be a, a part that you could play. That could 
sometimes. The part that I can play. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one that, uh, even though the Germans loved it, and um, might have slipped through a lot of cracks here in yes. the States. Yeah, you know, it's funny, actually, that, that it w- was so long before you saw it, because I remember your brother texted me about it years ago. Do you know this movie? And I'm like, yes, I do. And so I told him to stick it out, because he thought it was dumb. Yeah. I'm like, it's not dumb. Watch it. What a random text <laughs> from my brother at the middle of the night. What a shocker. <laughs> Uh, so that's number four on our On This Lab Horror Anatomy from 2000. And uh, number three is one from just, well, it'd be, oh, it'd be four years ago now. Time flies. It does. This is uh, Anna Fritz, a famous and beautiful actress who has suddenly died recently, and three young men sneak into the morgue to see her naked, fascinated by her beauty. From 2015, The Corpse of Anna Fritz. She's just as beautiful in death as she was in life. You are dead. Dead people don't talk. She doesn't seem dead. Not at all. Ah! This film ran at a horror film festival in London the year that it came out, and so it was on uh, our docket to review for Screen Relish. That's uh, right. A UK-based... We used to write for Screen Relish, yeah. a yeah. UK-based website that we wrote for, and what they would do, uh, because they covered this horror film festival, they would just send us a list of titles. Do you want these? Tell me which ones you want. Yes, 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 and yes. And I skipped this one. Oh, because you had... I a... didn't. I had a sense of what it was about, mm-hmm. and I did not want to see it. Yeah, and, and you then, were right. about a week later... Craig, who ran it, was like, I don't I don't have the review yet from Anna Fritz. And I'm like, <laughs> damn it. So uh, so we watched it. Yeah. And it's it is tough to get through. But I recommend that you try mm-hmm. because, um, first of all, it is for the most part quite well made. It's very alarming. And it is it is such a powerful statement on rape culture in a way that I've rarely seen in horror films. Mm-hmm. And it's a tough role for the. Lead actress Alba Ribas, I think is her name, uh, playing the corpse, uh, who obviously doesn't have a lot to do at first, but it's still a tough role because you can imagine the things that happen uh, when these guys come in because her character is a famous actress, as a famous beautiful actress, as it says in the synopsis there, and they just want to see her naked, and then of course they start getting some bad ideas, and um, some revenge is taken later. And you're right, it, it is a nice comment on rape culture, even. The one of the three guys who maybe thinks he's trying to do the right thing and finds out maybe he's not. No. Um, so, yeah, I like where it goes, and I, I give uh, the actress credit because yeah. that's a tough role. Yeah, and that's one of the things that, that uh, if, you, if you watch all of the five movies that we're going to talk about, is that a, a, as a rule, like the number one likelihood, like the lead role in these movies tends to be a female who is naked the entire movie and has no lines. Right. That's a pretty thankless role. Right. And, and it's not even the, just the ones that we're going to talk about today. Uh, the Possession of Hannah Grace and uh, Living Doll, Dead Girl. Oh, and, yeah. And if you, I hate the film Dead Girl. And so that's if you're waiting for it, it's not going to be on this list. <laughs> it's not going to be. You know, and sometimes it works. It works well. In two of the films that we're going to talk about today, it does work well. And in other times, of course, it just comes off as being completely gratuitous and sort of Right. Nasty in the wrong way. Yeah. Which this one, I don't, this one does a pretty good job of that. The the, ne- the a film we're going to talk about later does an even better job of that. Yes. But uh, we'll get to that later. But this one, this one does um, do a respectful job of, of making sure that it's not gratuitous. Um, 
and you talked about Germany in um, anatomy. I'll give you the Philippines for this one. This was incredibly popular in the Philippines. How weird, because it's a Spanish film. Yeah, and it sparked illegal downloading of about uh, five to seven million times. Wow. This movie was illegally downloaded. Wow. Struck a chord there. But, I guess so. Yeah, but it also has, you know, it has enough tension, horror, and violence in it, and, you know, rape revenge yeah. um, to uh, to make it unsettling in its, uh, it, it's, not a, it's not a movie that um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have any trouble calling it a horror movie because oh, no. Anna Fritz um, gets some comeuppance. It doesn't necessarily go where you expect it to go, and that's good. The performances are good. They are. Um, it, eventually, it becomes maybe a little bit too convenient. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, it really does. But at the same time, uh, it's kind of put you through the ringer. Mm-hmm. And and um, and in, in a very claustrophobic... <laughs> you know, I was just going to say that. Very claustrophobic because they're in the morgue. It's what? It's after hours. Yeah, it's yeah, the middle yeah. of the night. They think that the guy... Brings his friends in, yeah. you know, and they think they're going to get away with it. And then the director does a good job of navigating the the space. I, yeah. sound, I sound like, you, uh, do. you know, more cowbell. But he does. <laughs> you know, moving from one cold, sterile room yes. to the other yeah. and, and making you feel that. Maybe there's a little bit of a place to hide. Mm-hmm. And there's a door that just won't, won't open quite right. Yeah. Um, I think he does a good job with that. Yeah, I do too. And you know, it's funny. One of the things about, about uh, most of the movies on the list today is that they do make me cold. I feel cold watching them. <laughs> you know, it's like, and that, you know, the, the slab looks like it would be cold. Everybody's skin is blue. Mm-hmm. Everything is so, you know, uh, sterile. And uh, those blankets are very, very thin. Why? Well, because they don't really need to keep anybody warm. Exactly. <laughs> and the, the director, co-writer here is uh, Hector Hernandez Vincennes. I hope I pronounced that right. So, yeah, pretty pretty good job of um, of keeping things tense, keeping things horrific enough, but yet not making them overly gratuitous yep. with, with that vehicle of having just the, the naked, voiceless woman yep. on the slab. And that's The Corpse of Anna Fritz, number three on our On the Slab horror list. Moving it up to number two, another recent one. These are a lot of recent uh, movies on this list. This is from uh, 2016 in a small Midwestern town. A troubled teen with homicidal tendencies must hunt down and destroy a supernatural killer while keeping his own inner demons at bay. I am not a serial killer. A killer has struck, leaving a dead body in a terrified town in his wake. Takes the lungs, takes the kidney. What next? I need to do normal stuff right now. I'm breaking all my rules. I can't imagine what you must be going through. I'm on the edge and I'm falling. Ted Bundy said that after you killed somebody, if you had enough time with them... Shut up! Shut up! They could be whoever you wanted them to be. You're weird, man. So this was Billy O'Brien's follow-up years later to uh, to the Irish farming horror that we talked about pretty recently, Isolation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I remember being very excited that he was back and making movies because he hadn't made one in years. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Isolation, so I was excited to see this. It's a very different film. Um Right away, you're struck by the cast because it's Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, yeah, right? Reverend Do- Jim. Yeah, and uh, Doc Brown. Doc Brown. Uh, yeah, but it's also the kid. Max Records. That's a great name. It by is the way. Max Records. He uh, plays Max from Where the Wild Things yes, Are. Yes, it melted my heart, and I will love him forever. And on the one hand, you can immediately see his face. You can remember him from Where the Wild Things Are. But then I was also struck by. 
He's growing up. Yeah. So you can see his face is in there, that great little kid. And he had a, he did a, uh, gave a great performance in Where the Wild Things oh, Are. Oh, yes. And perfect. he's good in this, too. He is. He's very good in a role that, you know, has the potential to be a little bit of a stereotype. He's the outsider in a small Minnesota town. Uh, he works in his mom's morgue. So that right there, that kind of is going to mark you as an outsider. It's hard to get past that in terms of popularity circles. But he also obsesses about serial killers. And so every paper he ever writes for high school is about serial killers. <laughs> he's an expert on serial killers. And he works in a morgue. Well, right? and, and he's, he's told uh, you're you're uh, exhibiting all the signs of a future serial killer. Right. So what it, he's diagnosed, uh, you know, as being a sociopath. Mm-hmm. But he's trying really hard with the help of a very empathetic uh, counselor uh, uh, to develop some tactics to basically to pass, to, you know, to, to pass as normal mm-hmm. so that his life can be happy <laughs> yeah. and so that he doesn't wind up hurting anybody. And that's um, that it, so it's a fun and interesting when when bodies start turning up mutilated through this small town. Um, obviously, a lot of people assume it's him. But then also because of his fascination with what's going on, he. He makes it look like it's him, right? But really, he figures, and rightly so, he might be the best person to figure this out because no one knows more about serial killer tendencies than he does. Um, and really, aside from his his very loving mother, family, his only real friend in town is this old man who lives in the neighborhood and his Lloyd, wife, yeah. Christopher Lloyd. And, um, and he's always on the he's always on the stairmaster. He's always on the stairmaster, <laughs> and he loves his wife. Yeah. And I mean, he's he, again. And Christopher Lloyd is an incredibly endearing. And tender. Uh, and I don't want to give anything away because I don't think a lot of people saw this. And it is fairly recent, so I don't want to give away any spoilers. But but it, it comes down to there are several scenes that, that take place, of course, in the in the morgue where he works, where the boy works. But then it comes down to the climax of the film where it really becomes kind of a sci-fi blend and where most of what's scary happens. It all happens there in that confined space mm-hmm. of the slab. Yeah. And I think what elevates this one, kind of a theme here, is not only the performances, but the way the characters are written. It's very character-based. It is. Um, the ones, the, the main characters that are involved in this, which I think which, which elevates the material above some, maybe some themes, some familiar things you've seen before. Yes. But it's, it's very character-based and uh, with good performances. And it's, it's interesting, we were talking about um, Max Records from Where the Wild Things Are, but after he had done that movie, one of the producers of this movie uh, thought he would be perfect so they the one of the producers got in touch with the um director and said i just saw a kid who by the time we get this rolling will be old enough and so he agreed the director agreed to look at the kid but before he could he was pitched the same actor max records by somebody else and decided before even seeing where the wild things are oh no that's my kid so (laughs) He was he was destined, I think, from from both angles to get in this movie, wow. and uh, I hope he continues uh, do doing things because he really has a kind of a, a natural wonder about him. His yeah, face is very expressive. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously he's going to change a little bit more as he gets older, but um, he has that he just he just kind of has that look of uh, a little bit of innocence, but at the same time he's got a little bit of anger hiding yeah. back there too. Agreed. No, he did a he did an amazing job with this and his his chemistry with Christopher Lloyd, who I'm gonna guess, right? I mean, Christopher Lloyd is one of those working actors who probably knows how to develop chemistry with everybody. Yeah. And uh, but the two of them on screen together were just were just magical. And that is I am not a serial killer. Number two, 
on our On the Slab from 2016. Moving it up to number one, this was one that kind of, well, at least for me, it kind of snuck up on me. I didn't expect it to be this good. It's a father and son, both coroners, pulled into a complex mystery while attempting to identify the body of a young woman who was apparently harboring dark secrets from 2016, the autopsy of Jane Doe. No ID, no fingerprints in the system. For now, she's a Jane Doe. What happened to you? First, they bound her. Then they ripped out her tongue, poisoned her, paralyzed her, forced her to swallow the cloth. Where is that? Of Troll Hunter, right? Yeah. This is this is one of the follow-ups from Andre Avradal, who was the director of Troll Hunter. Yeah. This was his first English language film. And uh God, what a great job. It's uh, a nifty little thriller. It is. And it, he was actually inspired to get into horror because he loved the movie The Conjuring. Right. And uh he saw that and immediately called his agent and said that he would like to try to find a good horror script. And a month later, this was the script, and he was immediately interested. And, yeah, it's a... I don't know why it surprised me, but I remember watching it not expecting a whole lot. But it's a it's it's a nifty little... I'd almost call it a B-movie uh, B movie horror thriller, but really packs a nice punch and takes some nice turns and gets, you know, gets creepy. It does. It does. It has a, it has a really good atmosphere yeah. that it develops. And it's funny... Because that sort of chilly, uh, you know, sterile, that's not really what this morgue is like. It's like it's in the basement of an old house. Right. You know, with these old drawers. It just feels more lived in. Yeah. And and so that's a nice change of pace. And it kind of fits the theme. It's a small town. Everybody knows everybody, you know. And uh, it's just all sheriff has another one bringing in a body. And uh, this is the one we were talking about earlier where... It's really elevated by the two lead performances. Oh, it's the yes, father it and son, Brian Cox and uh, Emil Hirsch. Uh, and, both of them are always great. They are. And it was originally, I guess, supposed to be, uh, the father was supposed to be Martin Sheen, who yeah, was originally cast. I remember um, who that. Who would have been, who's also very He's good. He's also very good. Yeah, but Brian Cox, actually, Martin Sheen to Emil Hirsch, that's, that looks closer. Yeah. He looks more like they could be father and son. But there's uh, a there, there's a nice chemistry here. Oh, um, yeah, very much. And it's much. also, as it goes along, once they start, once they get the uh, the body brought in and start seeing that, you know, she doesn't have a name and they, they start seeing signs, they're starting to piece together what happened to her. You really feel like they want to do the right thing. Yes. You know, it's believable. They want to find out, give her some peace, you know. Yeah. Find out her name, how she died, and really try to put the thing at rest. And so they really sell that, and it pulls you in so that when things start turning on them, you know, you feel it even more deeply because you you like them, you think they have Mm -hmm. good intentions here, and then you find out that uh, Jane Doe has has some secrets. Right. And one of the other things that I like is that, you know, very often when you have a film that's going to take a supernatural turn, and you've got two characters. One character is going to stay grounded in the reality and logic, and then the other one is going to be like, no, look, it's, you know, what I like about this movie is that even though Brian Cox's character comes on a little later, he's a little, like, he's much more driven by logic, but he also, he doesn't just 
abandon the notion that what's going on in this morgue around us right now is not right. It's yeah. dangerously out of our control, and yeah. we should abandon this room right now. <laughs> and I appreciated that. Yeah. And this is another one also. We, we alluded to this earlier, talking about how the director treats the character of the naked woman on the slab. Yes. Because I think he does a really good job in not making it gratuitous. I mean, first of all, he knew that he wanted to keep mostly practical effects. I mean, when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, it obviously can't be yes. practical. But <laughs> yeah. there, a couple but, of those things weren't, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, even though she is, she's she's an attractive young actress. Her name is Olwen uh, Kelly. Olwen Kelly. And she's there naked on the slab most of the time. But I don't. I never got the sense that the camera was really leering. No, you know, and especially and 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 neither character ever right, does. Right, right. Uh, and you know, and and they wouldn't because, of course, they are coroners. Exactly. You know, this is this is every day to them, and it's a mystery, which is intriguing. But that's that's as far as that goes. Well, not only that, but if in fact you were leering, uh, then. As it goes along, he makes it increasingly hard for you to not only leer but even look at her mm. as it as it starts as, as things start uh, start ramping up. So yeah, I think uh, it was really impressive in the in the way he was able to frame that, still knowing that yes, I have this character who doesn't have any lines nope. and is naked on the slab the whole time. But you know what? That's part of the mystery: the fact that she looks so good. And, you know, not decomposed. Yeah. That's part of the mystery yeah. because they don't understand how can this be. Yeah. They found her in this weird crime scene. Yeah. And they can't put, you know, place any of this together until they start finding things. And then some supernatural stuff uh, starts occurring. And it it has a nice little kick at the end. It does. You know, I liked it. It's got that creepy song that you heard in the trailer that let the sunshine in, uh, which is maybe is not creepy, but it's the way it's being sung and the way it's used in That's this. That's creepy. Yeah, I mean, when when the Flintstones kids sang it, it wasn't. But, you know, in this it is. It can be. You know, kids' songs sung in a certain way, and especially over and over, mm-hmm. uh, it gets very creepy. Uh, and has and adds to a little bit of a little bit of a kick at the end that yeah. I really thought was a lot of fun. So, yeah, that's what makes this so enjoyable. I think it is. It's creepy. It's scary. It's and confined. It's fun. You feel trapped. But the mystery is very engaging. Yeah, it is. And, and more than anything, the performances are just so good. Yep. Uh, that yeah, I, it is. It's 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 fun. I mean, yeah. it does pack a wallop, but but it yeah, it's, it's a good time, time. I remember by the time it hit that that final shot, I I just smiled. I'm like, oh yeah, that's nice. <laughs> you know, nice done because it is it gives you all that in a nice little package. Of, of scares and tension and mystery mm-hmm. that you try to figure out because mm-hmm. you, you, you get sucked in like, what's the deal? Yeah. You know, and they, they start finding things on her body and around and, and they start piecing it together. So, yeah, it's really enjoyable and one that I've heard from other people. In fact, just like 10 minutes before yeah. we started taping this. Randomly, quite randomly, one of your colleagues said, you know what I just saw? And, and, and he loved it. Yeah, and, it, and I said, that's funny. We're going to talk about that in about two minutes. So, yeah, it's one that if you stumble across and didn't really know much about it, uh, you'd be really, really impressed. It really, I don't know what it did box office-wise. I don't think anything oh, huge. Oh, no, nothing big. But no. it's definitely one worth uh, worth seeking out uh, if, if you can, because it's a lot of fun. Number one on our On the Slab list from 2016, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. So let us know if we missed anything. If you want to get a vote in and stick up for Dead Girl... Well, you do just that. You let us know. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, easiest way to uh, get a hold of us is on Twitter 
You can find us at Fright Club Pod on uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's uh, Mad Wolf Columbus. And, of course, you can find uh, this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can also find it on our main website along with other fun at madwolf.com. So, as always, we appreciate you listening. And when you do... Subscribe, rate, and review. And by the way, thanks to the people who did actually review very recently. That was it was I know. nice. We it was were, so great. You know what? We'll plead guilty to being tardy. We hadn't looked at the reviews for quite a while, and there's some really nice yeah, ones on there, there are. from people that aren't related to us. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. So we really, really appreciate that. So yeah, if you subscribe, rate, and review. Love you, love you forever, and uh, we want to thank Jenny again for yeah. this topic, um, idea. topic. And if you have any topic ideas, bring them on, because we can't do all the work sitting at Subway writing on a <laughs> napkin, okay? <laughs> Thinking about what songs we would use if we were still allowed to use songs. That's right. Um, I know what this would be. This would be the Rocky Horror song. Yeah. Yeah. yeah come See up. what's on the slab. Could, could be Cold as Ice. No. Could be, yeah. I mean, there are, def- there are other possibilities, there but are. I know you have the soft spot for the Rocky Horror, and that would be a good one. So we talked about the next Fright Club Live. That is going to be March 13th. We're going to be back at Gateway Film Center for Baskin Woo-hoo! talking about Law and Order, Cop Horror, and uh, until... So that's going to be the next podcast. It is. After this one. So uh, we'd love to have you stop by if you're in the Columbus, Ohio area. Come on by at the Gateway Film Center there on High Street. Always a fun time. Take a flick in for Horror 101. Absolutely. That great uh, horror program is going on all year. So lots going on. Keep in touch if you can on the social medias. And until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends. <laughs>